All righty then. Today's message, I have a message entitled Space Invaders. You guys remember Space Invaders, the video games back in the... You remember video games, man? You remember the first video game that came out, Pong? I'll never forget the first time I was in a Sears and Roebuck and I saw a Pong. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Pong, it was quite a complex game. <laughs> you had these paddles and just a white line went ee, 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 and then the ball would go boing, boing, and you try to move the paddle to catch it. And, and all kinds of people were just stuck around the screens going, Whoa. Look at, you know, obviously we've come a long way since then, but then other games came along, Space Invaders come, all these fun games that we used to play. And uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit today about some of the spaces that are in your life. Now, on Wednesday night, during our Wednesday night Bible study, you ought to come out, it's a great time to really learn the Bible on Wednesday nights. But we talked um, uh, on Wednesday night how the church is kind of made up of three circles. You've got, you've got your tight circle in the middle. These are your really, your core people. Then you've got the next circle of people who are thinking about becoming the core people. And then you got the big yo mama circle of people who aren't really sure about anything yet. And really, most people that come in here, believe it or not, are pretty much on that outward circle. They're kind of checking things out and seeing how weird do we really get. And, and you know, and they're kind of learning stuff. You know, you guys raise your hand. They think you're trying to ask a question. They don't quite get it. And, uh, uh, and they start learning it themselves and, and they'll start stepping up and praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, and, and, uh, and they're kind of growing and learning. Now, the, ch- the challenge with churches is this. There are churches that all they care about is the core. So their worship and everything about it is just about having a blast with Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that. Actually, it's really rather fun. These guys are just get down, boogie, hang out, just do-do-do-do-do, hallelujah, Jesus. And they just go on and on for, you know, the longest time and celebrating and jumping and just having a great time. The problem is, is that they don't have any of the big outside core <laughs> or, or the big circles. People think they're absolutely nuts, but they don't care. They just figure, you know, as long as I get blessed, who cares what anybody else thinks? Not my best picture of church. Then you've got the churches. They're just all about the big circle. Make church so comfortable for everybody that they never talk about anything. They never quote the Bible. They never talk about heaven, hell, nothing. They just, you know, they preach sermons on, you know, global warming. You know, the environment, you know, which is, you know, people... We travel around the country, country. People ask me if, if I'm worried about global warming. I go, <laughs> I'm from Green Bay, man. <laughs> We're cheering on global warming in Green Bay. <laughs> they said, well, aren't you worried about the rest of the country? Man, y'all move up here. My property becomes the new L.A., Jack. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, they, they never talk much about anything. But the problem there is people start growing in their faith. They get to the core and there's nothing for them. And, and, then, and then they become frustrated in their faith. And then it's one of the problems. Churches seem to either have a problem not attracting people or attracting people. And then the people leave because they can't grow. What we try to do, not that we're perfect about it, but uh, is try to be able to do it all. Have an environment where people feel comfortable. Come check out Jesus. You know, get start taking those initial baby steps of faith in their life. You might be here this morning and, and, and that's your approach, which is fine. It's great. But then to also have enough life that you can continue to grow and be challenged in your faith. So that's really uh, the challenge before us. Now, 
um, a lot of it has to do with, with the, with, with the spaces in our lives. Now, that's what I'm talking to you real briefly this morning about. Now, psychologists have noted and identified what they call four specific places or spaces that people have in their lives. Number one is public space. Public space. Now, this is where, uh, you know, it can be a, a, a concert. It can be a theater event. It could be a, you know, a stadium event, football thing, you know, where you're with a whole bunch of people and you're all kind of grooving on the same thing and everybody loves each other and you're all cheering and having a great time. Have you ever been at a game where, you know, you know, the team scores and you turn around, you are hugging somebody you don't know. You know what I'm talking about? And everyone's just going, woo! And, and it's great fun, but it's, you know, afterwards, I don't stop by later that guy's house and, and check him out because he'd think I was a wackle. Right? Because that's public space. The other spaces you're not invited to. This is public space. Now, public space is a great thing. We all need these things. Even church, what we're doing here this morning, is really an essence of touching people's public space. Where they can come and join together with other people they may not uh, even know, they may not even like, quite frankly. But they're all getting together, and, and we're celebrating Jesus publicly. And the Bible talks about that. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Paul writes, he says, or, or whoever wrote Hebrews, we're not quite sure, but we assume it's Paul. He says, let us not give up meeting together. Let's don't give up on this. Let's come together as some are in the habit of doing. Never heard of that before. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So there's that encouragement about uh, experiencing Christ in this public space. The next space that psychologists have identified is what they call the porch space. This is kind of, you know, like you're sitting on the front porch of your house and you're waving at your neighbors. And you know them by name. You know, Hey, Bob. Hey, Susie, how's it going? You might talk, hang out a little bit, sit on a lawn chair in their front yard and kind of hang with them a little bit. I got some great neighbors. I got a great neighborhood where people do that kind of thing and stuff. But that's still different than, you know, personal space. I mean, I don't just walk in whenever I feel it into Bob and Susie's house and open up the refrigerator and start making myself a sandwich. Why? That would be breaking the rules. In fact, you can't even come into my house. We, we can wave at each other, we share, and, and it's fun, but it's still, you know, uh, you know, kind of, kind of that sort of thing. Um, but it, it does provide a sense of community. It's something that people need in their lives. People express it in various ways, everything from porches to, uh, you know, little league games with their kids, uh, um, you know, to bars. I mean, one of the one of the appeals of a bar, of the bar scene, is this this sense of community where you know people. Hey, John, how you doing? You know that kind of thing, and people hang out and spend more money than they need to for drink and food and everything else. But why do they do that? Because this is their porch mate. I need that. I need to know some people. I need to feel like I'm part of something uh, bigger than myself. Churches as well are encouraged to have that kind of space. Third John, he writes, he says, he writes to them, he says, I hope to see you soon and, and we will talk face to face. He says, peace to you. The friends here send their greetings and he encourages people. Greet the friends there by name. Get to know each other. Hey, how you doing? Bob, Susie, that kind of thing. Um, the foyer between the services, after the services. This is classic porch space where you get out there and you're meeting people and you're hanging and you're shaking their hands and kind of chit-chatting and small talk and you know some people like that some don't but it, this is that sense of a little bit more community um, in in that environment um, then we have what they've identified as personal space okay and certainly we have that as christians jesus said in john the uh, 15th chapter um, my command is this he says love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that he laid down his life for his friends. Now this is personal space. This is where you get the real friends in your life. Personal space is, is reserved for the people who really get to know you. They start to see what you're like in unguarded moments. You know, um, They are the ones who start to truly understand who you are at heart. They're the ones you confide in, who help you in times of need. They're the ones you go out of your way to help out, and, and, and vice versa. Um, these are the ones that will help you move. You know, These are the ones who help you fix things. Uh, for women, these are the girls you share your emotional struggles with. These are the girls you go shopping with. They're your, your friends. These are the ones, their kids are as comfortable around you as, as they are their own parents. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a closer community. Uh, these are your closest friends. But even in this group, one can be a bit guarded because you don't want to do anything that would offend these friends or behave in a way that would cause them to reject you. Nobody likes to be rejected. That freaks everybody out. So you, you, you carry yourself in such a way with your friends that, you know, you love them, you have fun with them. You don't tell them everything you think about them or, or they wouldn't be your friends anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, that, that kind of connection. Then, then the next and final one of the four spaces, the most intimate one, they refer to as your private space. Now, this is a space reserved for those that are absolutely the closest to you. These are the few who know you like nobody else knows you. These are the ones you allow to see the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life. These are the ones who get in your face. These are the ones who cover your back. These are some of the people who can love you the most and hurt you the most. Often at the same time. This is your closest buddy. This is your spouse. Your family members. These are the ones who really know you and are part of that intimate world. Um, The Bible uh, in uh, Proverbs writes of these. The King James Version it says this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, a lot of people, he's trying to write to them about wisdom. He say, well, I just want to be around people who give me lots of kisses, lots of praise, a lot of adulation. That, that's not helpful, he says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, a real friend who really loves you, loves you enough to get in your face. Loves you enough to say, you know what you're doing isn't the right thing to do. Loves you enough to say, you know, what about this, what about that? Uh, close enough that, that they'll hurt you. Your spouse, uh, those of you who are married know I'm sure you've had this experience where one of you will hurt the other one. Sometimes you think there's something really wrong with your marriage when that happens. No, it just means you're normal. It means you're healthy. That's what happens. Now, obviously, that can inspire a lot of control. But even in a healthy situation, uh, that's normal. Now, the Lord had his public space, his porch space with the multitudes that followed him, all the people that came around him. He had his personal space with his disciples. But even Jesus had his private space. We read about it. In uh, Matthew, the 17th chapter, there were three guys that Jesus really let close to him. It was Peter and then the sons of Zebedee, James and John. We see here, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain uh, by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. These are the guys who got to see Jesus like nobody else. They got into his private space. Um, Matthew, a little bit later, in the 26th chapter, says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. This is the garden uh, where he uh, suffered before he was uh, uh, crucified. 
Um, he got together with them and he said to his disciples, you guys sit here while I go over there and pray. But when he went over there, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Again, he had these closest, most intimate people with you. And usually these spaces, you'll notice they keep getting smaller and smaller. The more intimate they become, the smaller they become, which is fine. Not everybody can be your buddy. Um, One of the problems that churches have, and you've heard me talk about often, is that as a pastor or any pastor... You know, a lot of there's this idea that the pastor has to be everybody's buddy. You know, he's got to be there for them and meet all that, get into all that little personal space with them. It's just not reality. That's why most churches are so small. 400,000 churches in America, 80% of them have 100 people. Why? Because that's about as much as the pastor could even begin to, and then those guys are burning out, even at that level. Trying to connect with everyone. You know, the, the pastors can't do that. They, they need to be there for you to help guide you, encourage you, challenge you, rebuke you, get in your face, help you grow spiritually, all these different things. But not everybody can be everybody's buddy. Now, here's what I want you to know about these spaces. And that's what we're talking about today. And why we have this, uh, these displays out in the foyer. Is to encourage you to grow in your spaces. Maybe step out of your comfort zone and, and, and grow in these directions. But this is what I want you to know. God is the ultimate space invader. Okay? He wants to so infiltrate your life that it will affect every space in your life. So that your spaces are more influenced by the kingdom of God than by the kingdom of this world. Okay? That's the premise. Sounds reasonable. Not so easy to do. But that's really what it's about. God wants to so affect Every area of your life, that even the spaces of your life become dominated by the kingdom of God. Doesn't happen overnight. As you grow in your faith, the more you allow God to speak into your life, the more it will affect the spaces in your life. Now, you will most likely find that the easiest space for God to affect your life will be your public space and your porch space. That's the easiest. That's church. That's what we're doing right now. This is what we do best. Quite frankly, this is what we focus on the most here. Um, all our staff, our energies and stuff, the bulk of it goes to providing this environment so that we do church well. So that when you get together, it's the kind of place where what, regardless of what part of the circles you're in, you feel comfortable in, you feel ministered to, you get challenged to be able to grow in your faith. That's where we have the, all the stuff for your kids and for your teenagers, all the different ministries we have. This is all about public space here, okay? And it's really the easiest part of faith is to step into this public space in the kingdom of God. The most difficult transition you'll ever make in your spiritual life comes when God starts moving in your life and he starts resulting in change in your personal and private space. That's what messes with people. This is where people struggle the greatest in their life. And I pretty much can guarantee you, as you grow in faith, at some point, you have to make that transition. You know, maybe you're not there today. Maybe you won't be there for a while. I don't know. Maybe you've already been pastor. Everybody's in different areas of growth spiritually here. That's the result of public space. You got people who are here just because someone drug them. They don't even believe in God. And to others who are just really, really passionate about their faith. But that transition of letting God really affect your personal and your private space can be really tough for people. That's where you start making the decision and saying, you know, 
I need to change this space. Because right now I'm connected with people who pull me away from God. And to make that choice of, you know, I'm going to break those ties and I'm going to start connecting with people who pull me closer to God instead of away from God. Sometimes it's a very intentional decision on your part. Other times it's forced on you. You know, you start growing in your faith. At some point, your personal friends and stuff say, man, what's the matter with you? You know, turn into a Jesus freak. Yeah, oh, what's the matter? You going to church too much? What's crazy? It's a cult out there, you know. And, and, and they start pulling away from you. They'll force the decision in your life. And it's crisis time. A lot of times at that point, people, in, in people's lives, they will panic and they will run away from God to stay with the personal world that they're comfortable with. Uh, big mistake. Big mistake. Uh, hopefully, even when you do that, you start realizing, you know, this, this isn't right and you're missing more of God in your life. And at some point, you've got to make that painful step. Jesus, disciples, dealt with this. The Lord dealt with this. You know, at one time, Jesus' public space and porch space was the hottest thing going on in Israel. They followed him by the tens of thousands. Now stop and think about that. You know, they didn't have, you know, RVs. This wasn't a comfortable thing. It's hot, but tens of thousands of people would follow him wherever he went because it was so cool to be around Jesus. Miracles were happening. If you're sick, you get hold. If you're blind, you could see. If you couldn't walk, all of a sudden you could walk. It was incredible to be around Jesus. If you were hungry, there wasn't even much food. He could take a few loaves and some fish and feed everybody. What a great gig. We don't even have to work. We could just hang with Jesus. This is awesome. They loved it. But one day Jesus came out and he looked at them and said, Look, guys, unless you make this transition, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And in that culture they knew what that meant. That meant about being totally identified with him. It wasn't into cannibalism. you know. It was about totally... And, and when they were faced with that, that they had to make this decision to totally identify with God in every area of their life. To become that intimate. The Bible says from that time on the multitude stopped following Jesus. It wasn't too much long after that the multitudes began screaming crucify him. Crucify him. Everybody left. The Bible says Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and said you guys leaving too? And they said Lord where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. They had already made that transition. But it can be a very painful thing in your life. God might be speaking to you even right now in your life about how about making those kind of steps. Now, it's our obligation as a church and as your spiritual leaders to provide pathways for God to move in all the spaces of your life. That's what those things out there are all about. That's what life groups are about. What we do is we encourage these different activities and, and, and gatherings to encourage people to connect outside of just their traditional connections and move closer to the kingdom of God. Um, and as you go out there, there's all kinds of stuff. There's stuff about, you know, horses and there's stuff, you know, there's Bible studies, there's the choir, there's all kinds of different things that you can do. Let me encourage you, before you split today, walk around out there and check it out. We'll also have it out there next week, uh, you know, if the snow's freaking you out. Or did it quit snowing finally? I can't tell. But, uh, but anyway, check some of these things out and say, you know, let God speak to you. 
Maybe there's some area we can go, you know, yeah, I'll I'll check that out and, and see what's there. Now, ultimately, we cannot control those things in people's lives. Your friendships, your personal space, your private space. It's not up to us. You know, we can't say, you know, you be friends with her. And you guys go shopping with them. And you guys can go over to their house for dinner later on. You know, we, you like that idea. You don't have to cook, yeah. But, uh, you know, you can't do that. The minute you do that, you're not a church anymore. Now you're a cult. That is a cult. And inevitably, you can always tell a cult because they start controlling the personal and private spaces in people's lives. We cannot do that. We will not go there. Ultimately, that's something God has to do in your life. What we provide are the pathways, the encouragements, and the opportunities for God to move in the spaces of your life. That's why we do this, but we don't guilt people into it. We don't hammer you. This is an opportunity. I'm trying to prod you and encourage you to connect. But some of you are in different areas of your life. Some of your spaces are completely full. You don't need any more filling. You know what I'm talking about? Um, And in good ways, you know, my personal space is absolutely jam-packed. My private space completely full you know i'm not looking for a small group to connect with in in any way now i might just for the porch part of it just for hanging with people and hang you know what i'm saying that's cool too you know and there's all kinds of things some people you know you're still in a place the most you're interested in is even checking out the public space you don't even like the you don't even like talking to people in the foyer i get it as soon as church is done man you're making a beeline for the parking lot no eye contact don't look at anybody don't look at anybody keep moving you know what i'm saying okay I get it but at some point even God's going to start dealing with you about that you know you might want to stick a little say hi to somebody you know so but I don't know where you're at in your life you know what particular area I do know this that for you to truly grow in your faith you've got to connect with other people of faith if you already have that going for you Praise God, hallelujah, it's great, it's fabulous. If you don't, let God start speaking to you. At least check it out and allow him the opportunity to, to speak in your life. You might find something that would, would just be fun to do. It might be one of the Bible studies. It might be, you know, who knows what, some of the different activities that we've had. And over the years we've had all kinds. Uh, and, uh, and we have a bunch today. So uh, all around the front, around here, and then in the back there as well, in the, in the Bayside room. Let me encourage you, uh, check out some of that. Uh, if your space is completely full and you don't, that's fine. We don't look down on our noses or anybody. It's just about encouraging this opportunity to grow in your faith. I want the ushers to come and get ready to service communion this morning and our musicians to come back up. As we get ready to receive communion this morning, let me ask you a question. Have you welcomed God into the most important space that you have? We've talked about the public space, porch space, personal space, private space. But what about the inner space, the real you? Have you surrendered that part? Because that's the beginning. Really, everything else is moot. doesn't matter how much public space you have or how much religion you put in your life or anything like that. If you don't start here. And allow God to come into your life. Surrender on the inside. That's the initial step. That's the first step you need to take in faith. It's one thing to talk about external spaces. But none of that means anything. If you don't first surrender your inner space to God. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? That's the question. 
That's what we reflect on when we take communion. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus came into the earth. Not just to show us how to live good lives and bring peace to mankind as part of it. But ultimately, his main purpose was to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. It was his sacrifice that makes it possible for us to be forgiven. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to erase your sins. You can't buy it off. Your sins are your sins and they will doom you for eternity if you don't get it right. And the only way you can get it right is through Jesus Christ. That's why he did what he did. That's why he came to the earth. He is the ultimate sacrifice. If we'll put our trust in him, he will grant us forgiveness of those sins. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer before we take communion this morning. If you're willing to turn from what you know is wrong in your life and, and take that first step of faith and put your faith in Christ, you can start that life of faith this morning. Just pray this prayer along with us. If you believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can take that first step of faith. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.